when we go through trials in this life, and it appears that Jesus is not answering our prayers, perhaps his delay is for even a greater work that he intends to do. You know, sometimes we, we ask, Lord, what? What are you up to? Why aren't you answering our prayers? And it could be that he intends to do an even greater work. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Last week we closed out chapter 11 of John's Gospel. And we find that people were coming to Jerusalem to purify themselves for the Passover. And so Passover season is upon us. And as they traveled toward Jerusalem, the people were asking among themselves whether Jesus would show up or not. He had been in seclusion a bit over the last few chapters as we have been studying in John chapter 10, John chapter 11. Twice we find that Jesus withdrew himself because the contention surrounding him was growing greater and greater. While the people wanted to see Jesus, the religious rulers, we were reminded last week, they had put Jesus at the top of their most wanted list. They wanted to see Jesus too, but in a different way. They wanted to see him put to death. Well, as we began chapter 12 last week, we looked at the first eight verses in Mary's anointing of Jesus at Bethany. It begins by telling us that six days before Passover. So now our timeline is really complete. I was thinking we just came through July. And if you watch Hallmark Channel, the ladies and the guys who are stuck with their ladies watching the Hallmark Channel, it was Christmas in July. And but that's not just Hallmark. That's across board. You find it in hotels that People don't get enough of celebrating Christmas. And so in the middle of the year, they do a Christmas in July theme. And uh, we just got through that. It's August now. And we're going to be doing this theme throughout the remainder of the year of Passover in August, September, October. As long as it takes us to finish out the Gospel of John, we are in the Passover season, six days before Passover. And then we'll get into the Lord's... uh, his prayer with his disciples before his crucifixion, all the way to the crucifixion and his resurrection. I think this is wonderful. We're going to spend time that we always do every Easter or or resurrection celebration in the spring. We combined 
everything about the Lord's sacrifice into one week period. And we're going to spend a few months looking at this. So we're going to get a little in-depth look at the Lord's sacrifice on the cross, which I think is going to be wonderful. So we're going to begin that today, Easter in August, but it'll go into September and October as well as we continue through the Gospel of John. But here in chapter 12, we found last week that Mary anointed the feet of Jesus. And what we notice is that Mary, as she broke this very expensive oil of spikenard and poured it upon Jesus, that she took what the Bible describes as her glory, her long hair, according to 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen, and she used it as a rag to wipe the feet of Jesus. But in the process of sitting at the feet of Jesus and wiping the feet of Jesus, Mary also transferred the fragrance that was upon Christ to herself. Now, it would be that even after that event, that people would take note and, and they would like, Mary, you've been with Jesus. The fragrance of Christ was upon Mary. That's how it should be for us as well. Mary's act of love and devotion also was used by God to prepare Jesus's body for burial. And from the heavenly perspective, Mary's selfless act had a God-ordained purpose. I don't think Mary realized uh, when she first bought that expensive oil of spikenard, I don't know what her initial plan was for that oil, but she ultimately offered it to the Lord to prepare his body. She didn't know this, but what God used it for was to prepare his body for his burial. Well, we're going to pick up in verses 9 through 26 today. This is a long chapter, 50 verses, and I'm not going to try to knock it out in one week or two weeks. We're actually going to get into three weeks on this chapter. But we'll look at 9 through 26 today, and we're going to see today a message that I entitled, The Hour Had Come, in verses 9 through 11, A Great Many Believed, verses 12 through 19, The Triumphal Entry, and verses 20 through 26, Jesus' Hour. Let's go ahead and read verses 9 through 11 and open in prayer. John 12, verse 9 says, Then a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive from your word this morning, Lord. And I know this is a familiar portion of scripture for us. But Lord, whether you're just refreshing the story in our hearts or speaking new truths to our hearts this day, Father, I pray that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, this church, this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we want to see in the first few verses here, verses 9 through 11, that a great many believed. And in verse 9, it tells us that many came a great many of the Jews, they knew that Jesus was there in Jerusalem. And it tells us that they came not only for Jesus' sake only, but also that they might see Lazarus, that the Lord Jesus had raised him from the dead. So the people 
came, the Jews came, not only to see Jesus, but Lazarus, who had been resurrected from the grave. And we looked at this last week of what a great testimony that is over the last couple of weeks of Lazarus being resurrected from the grave. There's nothing like a living, walking testimony of the power of God. And Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. When we talk about uh, a resurrection testimony today, it's kind of more so the spiritual sense of it. I once was blind and now I see. I once was dead, but now I have life. I was dead in sin and trespasses but I found life through Jesus Christ. For those who have lived such a hard and troubled life, there's nothing like a testimony like that. We love hearing stories of how Jesus had redeemed individuals, redeemed and saved whole families because of his grace toward them. And so they came because not only of Jesus, but because of Lazarus who had been resurrected from the grave. You know, there's another possible resurrection story in Scripture that happened to Paul and Barnabas when they were in Lystra. It was after they had healed a man who had been crippled from his mother's womb. The people of Lystra took Paul and Barnabas and they wanted to sacrifice to them. They wanted to worship them as Zeus and Hermes. They figured that Paul was the spokesman, so he was... Hermes, the spokesman of Zeus, and that Barnabas, apparently the quiet one, was the god Zeus himself. And the Bible tells us that they could scarcely keep the people from sacrificing this oxen to them. But then we find the fickleness of the hearts of people. When unbelievers from Antioch and Iconium showed up, they twisted the fickle hearts of the people, having persuaded the multitudes They stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, according to Acts 14, 19 and 20. The thought is that he actually died. The believers gathered around him. What do you think they were doing while they gathered around him? They were praying. Paul would talk about in Corinthians, I believe it is, of knowing a man once who was caught up into the third heaven and some kind of tie this event together that the Lord took him into heaven and showed him the glories of heaven, which Paul said that there's not even words to describe it. But after the believers gathered around him, he rose up and he went back into the city. But whether Paul actually died or not, he had been stoned. They drug him out of the city thinking that he was dead. Can you imagine the Lystrians as... He walked back into the city, the surprise that would have been on their their faces. You know, there is no greater testimony, no greater witness than those who were dead in trespasses and sins, walking around as a living testimony of the power of God to change lives. Well, the people came to see Jesus. The people came to see Lazarus. But the chief priests, the religious rulers, they plotted against Jesus and also Lazarus. In verses 10 and 11, it tells us, but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. There's the power of testimony. Because of Lazarus, many people believed in Jesus, but it also uh, troubled the religious rulers greatly. 
They not only sought to now put Jesus to death, but Lazarus as well. We have to understand that our association with Christ, it brings us forgiveness of sins. It brings us the salvation of our souls, uh, eternal life. These are all great things. These are all grand things. But it also can bring conflict and trouble from those who do not believe. And we see that throughout our world. And as I prayed earlier, many of the brothers and sisters throughout the world, they can't openly share their faith like we have been accustomed to here in the United States. But have you noticed that that has been being restricted more and more? I was watching a a YouTube feed this morning of an event that happened at the White House this week where President Trump had invited African-American pastors to come and to discuss. The topic was discussing prison reform. And so I watched the opening prayer by one of these ministers, and I was just, I was personally blessed that the president had surrounded himself with a table full of pastors and that he was being prayed for and this nation was being prayed for. Well, I was cooking breakfast while that was playing. I wasn't really watching it. I was listening to it and it finished. And so then the next piece came up and it was uh, a radio show host who was condemning the pastor who had prayed at that meeting for one, even being there. Why are you even supporting this president? Why didn't you speak out against the president? Why didn't you say anything bad? And then the radio host had the pastor actually called in to apologize. Apparently, through social media, he has just been torn up. But the one thing that I noticed And he said it twice. He said, I should have listened to my wife, which meant that I should have never went. But twice he said, I went because I felt the Lord was compelling me to go. And I'm thinking, well, who are you going to listen to, your wife or Jesus? You're representing Jesus. If Jesus is compelling you to go, then he was exactly where he was supposed to be, whether his wife agreed with him or not. But The church today is being condemned through social media and can absolutely be destroyed. I was also reading this morning of the pastor who's over in the uh, Turkish prison for two years. Had a church there, a state-sanctioned church for over 20 years, was arrested two years ago in 2016 after a failed coup attempt against the government and it's been in prison, it's been in the news, and again, our government has, on, on my birthday, they introduced sanctions against Turkey, saying you have to release this man from prison and bring him home. He's a United States citizen. And the pastor himself, reading a quote from him this morning, saying it's been difficult to be separated from my family, but just like the apostles of Jesus Christ suffered for the Lord, I fear it's my turn to suffer as well. Now, he has been released from prison last week. He is still under house arrest. He's, uh, the court proceedings haven't been dropped. There's, I think, a 35-year crime against him if he's convicted. They're saying that he was plotting against the government. This is happening in our world, and we find it happening 
throughout the world, not so much in the United States, but it's coming. And I'll read you a couple of articles to prove this. Mark 13, 13 tells us, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but you, he who endures till the end shall be saved. We have had this testimony in the church for so many years that has been come to Jesus and you'll have a wonderful life. But that's not the testimony that Jesus gave his followers. He said, come to me and you'll be forgiven. You'll receive eternal life. But in this world, you will have trouble and tribulation. In fact, in John 13, 13, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Going back two years ago in July of 2016, Russia signed into law new restrictions against Christians in Russia themselves. I'm quoting from the article. It says, this week, Russian President Vladimir Putin approved a a package of anti-terrorism laws that ushered in a tighter restriction on missionary activities and evangelism. The amendments, including laws against sharing faith in homes, online, anywhere but in the recognized church, that means the government-approved churches, goes into effect on July 20th. And that is a, a law that has went into effect. They had the soccer games there in June, and I read an article of how the Christians were trying to evangelize during the World Cup soccer games that had come to their country, how they were going to evangelize and not uh, get arrested for doing so. I don't know how successful they were, but it's a law that restricted the sharing of faith inside the church buildings. And I think in the United States, we have people who are pleased as can be if we keep faith in the building and don't take it outside of the building. But Jesus has called us to go outside of these four walls to evangelize in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's another one from 2018 in April out in California. The article states, one step closer to law, could a California bill ultimately lead to the banning of Bibles? And the article states, a pro-LGBTQ bill is quickly making its way through California State Assembly after it was approved on the floor on Thursday. The bill goes to the state Senate for a vote. And this bill, Assembly Bill 2943, the bill is called Unlawful Business Practices Sexual Orientation Change Effort, could ultimately threaten free speech or freedom of religion for Christians. This bill would make it illegal to distribute resources, sell books, offer counseling services, or direct someone to a biblically-based model for getting help with their gender confusion. And so basically it's saying that if someone is part of the LGBTQ community, you can't give them anything, you can't talk to them about any possibility that their lifestyle is wrong and against what the Word of God teaches. And so they actually adjusted the bill, and I'm sure the church came up against it, so I brought a paragraph with me of the bill itself which reads, this bill would include as an unlawful practice prohibited under Consumer Legal Remedies Acts, advertising, offering sexual orientation change to individuals. The bill would also declare the intent 
of the legislature in that regard. So what they changed, offering forced sell or the selling of services. So they basically said that if you're a church doing it for free, and this is how they're trying to get around the law right now. Originally, they didn't say anything about forced sell or selling services. So they threw that in to try to satisfy the church. If you're ministering to someone and you're not getting paid for your services, then you can do that. But if you're getting paid for your services, you cannot do that according to this law that's trying to get passed in California. So they're just saying one step closer. They're trying to get it. We cannot talk against any sin. Uh, just live it your own way. And, and there's no right and wrong. There's no authority. It's whatever a person believes. But that's not what the word of God teaches us. And we need to stand upon the truth of God's word. And though others may hate us because of our love for Jesus, the question we must ask ourselves is our testimony of Jesus's work in our lives causing others to believe. Lazarus was a living, walking testimony and others came to faith because of the witness of Lazarus. They saw him. Here's the thing. I got a quote here from a, a website called Share Jesus Without Fear. And so All About God is the website. But the quote says, an adult must hear the gospel message about seven times before coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not about sharing your faith once with someone. That individual, on average, needs to hear someone share faith with them with Jesus about seven times. They need to hear the gospel story around seven times before they'll respond in life-changing faith. So we have our work cut out for us. But the witness of one person, it can cause many people to believe, as it was with Lazarus, so much so that the religious rulers put him, uh, Jesus, at the top of the most wanted list, Lazarus at the post office right next to him. Got his picture up there. Let's get this guy. The triumphal entry, verses 12 through 19, very familiar to us. The next day, a great multitude had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it was written, fear not, Daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they had heard that he had done this sign. And the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So here the triumphal entry, very familiar to us. As I said, we condense the remainder of the Gospel of John and it has 21 chapters in it. We're currently in chapter 12. We condense that story around Easter into uh, just one week's celebration, reminding us of the great work that Jesus did there for us on the cross. I'm glad that we get an opportunity to slow things down 
as we look at these events. Now it's the next day. Now it's five days before Passover. And so we get to kind of count down the days here as well. It's the Gospel of Mark that we can get this countdown the best. But now we know that it is the triumphal entry. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey. And the people are crying out a portion of the Hillel Psalms. They're crying out from Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Hillel Psalms, Psalms 113 to 118, were psalms that were used during the Passover celebration. And they were psalms to express thanksgiving, praise, and petition to God. And they were crying out, as it says in our text, Hosanna. It is a Hebrew word that means save us now. And they chanted these psalms in fulfillment of prophecy without realizing who Jesus actually was. Father, thank you so much for your word and for what you've taught us this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.